okay, hello out there again. My name is Beck Barnes. I'm the publisher and editor of Cotton Grower Magazine, and I want to welcome you back to the world-famous Cotton Companion podcast. As always, uh, whether you are joining us from Buckeye, Arizona, or Bucksnort, Tennessee, I have used those two town names before. I just could not <laughs> think of a new a new uh, little gimmick for the town names deal. Uh, or from any other dot on the vast Cotton Belt map, uh, we are thankful to you for joining us. I am uh, joined today, as always, by my partner in crime, Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Hello, Jim. Hello, Beck. And I'm not sure there's there's another town name that can that that can top Bucksnort. Yeah, I'm a, anyway, I'm a Bucksnort. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's why it's our first yeah. repeat. It just, uh, I smile when I pass that exit going up and down <laughs> I-40. So. Right, right. So uh, as we get started here, uh, before we get too deep into things, we want to take a brief moment to hear from our sponsors, the fine folks at Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. So, all right. Well, we hope that you are somewhere warm at the moment. Uh, it is currently, actually, I don't know about this moment right now, but as I was getting out this morning, it was well below freezing here in Memphis. And it's one of those clear cold days, which is actually a welcome sight for us. It's been so gray and drizzly since the new year, really. Uh, Jim, I don't know about you. I'm happy to see the sun, even though it's 26 degrees. I'm just outside. as solar powered as you are, right. so it just makes it makes things e- e- much easier. Right, it's that vitamin C, if I recall correctly, <laughs> that you get from the sun. So we're happy to see it, but we know it's cold out there. We hope that uh, if it, we know if it's cold here, there's a lot of places out there in the belt where it is uh, well uh, uh, much more cold than it is here. So we hope that y'all are somewhere warm. Uh, the, the season is, uh, we're kind of in this, this lull between we're, we're far enough removed almost everywhere from 2018 season and just far enough out for 2019 that y'all aren't having too much anxiety about that at the moment, we hope. Uh, but just because there's this cold temperature out, we know that, uh, that has not stopped the onslaught of news, uh, that has been happening around the cotton belt uh, and so we intend to cover all of that most late breaking news here in our uh, 40th episode, as Jim reminded me this morning. This is episode number 40 of the Cotton Companion podcast. So that's a milestone, right? Don't you do like black balloons for your 40th birthday or something? I'm so far past my 40th birthday, I don't remember. Right. Well, not that I'm thinking about that coming up in <laughs> here in two or three years. Um, so uh, anyhow, we do have a good episode in store for y'all. We are going to be reviewing all of the ag news of the day, as always, uh, included but not limited to such topics as the reopening of FSA offices and a new registration deadline for the market facilitation program. I know uh, I've heard from buddies of mine back home who have been having a little uh, anxiety about uh, all the developments there. So Jim's going to get us caught up there. Uh, we're also be he'll also be telling us about a, a general reminder of these manda- mandatory dicamba training sessions that'll be going on. So uh, we will get to that uh, during the news segment. In a, in addition to those piping hot news items, we are also going to be continuing uh, our market mm-hmm. moment uh, interview. We uh, Jim down Jim went down to the Beltwide Cotton Conferences in New Orleans a couple weeks back three weeks back now, and had a very uh, insightful interview with the always smart and insightful Mr. Gerald Nieper. 
And so uh, in the last episode, we brought you the first half of that interview. In this episode, we will be bringing you part two of a two-part series that is that interview with Mr. Nieper. So, uh, Jim, can you briefly tell us what y'all talked about in this one? Yeah, this one, uh, as, as you recall in the last podcast, we talked a little bit about some of the, uh, the market factors that were impacting cotton, uh, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Uh, at, at that point in time. Today, we've kind of shifted gears and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, initial 2019 cotton acreage projections, including the cotton grower projection. Including ours, okay. Uh, and some of the factors that may influence acreage kind of one way or the other as we start moving more toward uh, toward planting season. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, getting closer to decision time. So, uh, on a related note, after that segment, we will be talking about, uh, in our One Big Thing segment, uh, we're going to be talking about production practices. As you guys start thinking about planting season, uh, we want to bring you our six top production, what are we calling this, six production tips uh, as we start looking at 2019 season uh, that you all can be thinking about as you are making your decisions, your planting decisions, as you look towards spring 2019. Uh, for that, we're essentially re-upping a feature that we ran with uh, heavy help from Dr. Galen Morgan, a Texas cotton specialist, where he get, he is the uh, source of these tips for you guys as you're thinking about the 2019 season. So uh, six best production tips uh, will be that one big thing segment. You don't want to miss that because uh, that comes from a very smart guy in Dr. Galen Morgan. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. Uh, Jim, how about you uh, lead us off with our news items for the for the week? All right, Beck, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, the top news of the week is that all of the Farm Service Agency or FSA offices uh, reopened January 24th to provide additional administrative services to farmers and ranchers during the government shutdown period. Uh, in announcing the reopening of these FSA offices, uh, Secretary of Ag Sonny Purdue also noted that the deadline to apply for the market facilitation program has now officially been extended to February 14th. Now, as you recall, shortly after these FSA offices closed on December 28th due to the shutdown, uh, Secretary Purdue said the original application deadline of January 15th would be extended for a period of time equal to the number of days FSA offices were closed. So apparently that calculation has been factored into this new deadline of February 14th. Uh, other program deadlines may be modified and will be announced as they are addressed as we start working through the details here. Uh, realistically, certain FSA offices have been provided limited, providing limited services for existing loans and tax documents since January 17th but they had not been handling applications for the market facilitation program and other key programs. Under this new plan, FSA staff are going to work on a number of transactions, including the market facilitation program, uh, marketing assistance loans, release of collateral warehouse receipts, direct and guaranteed farm operating loans and emergency loans, uh, the ARC and PLC programs, and more. Uh, there is, however a relatively short list of transactions that will not be available at this time uh, until the government, until the uh, FSA offices open full-time with, uh, with full funding. You can find a listing of the transactions that are available and those that aren't available 
in an article that we have posted on cottongrower.com about the FSA reopening. Now, one other thing to keep in mind when you're, if you're planning to go to your local FSA office, for the first two weeks under this new operating plan, that's the weeks of January 28th and the weeks of February 4th, FSA offices will be open Monday through Friday of those weeks from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. In subsequent weeks, if the shutdown continues, offices are only going to be open on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So if you have business you need to conduct with the agency, it may be best to contact your FSA service center and make an appointment before heading uh, heading their way. Yeah, that's valuable, uh, valuable <clears throat> info there, Jim. As I say, I, I just sense... I do talk to farmers on occasion, and I sense that there is starting to be some uh, somewhere between annoyance and frustration uh, with these uh, government shutdown and the ramifications of that. I know that what I wouldn't have thought about in talking to a farmer buddy of mine, you know, this is related to the trade wars, uh, or the, the tra- ongoing trade stuff that people feel you know, might have suppressed some prices this year. And now, you know, there, there's these payments that were supposed to come through for that. Now people can't get to them because of the FSA situation. So there's just some, again, annoyance, frustration starting to bubble up out there. We certainly do not uh, like to hear that. We hope that y'all uh, have, <laughs> you know, patience and, and not many nerves as y'all go through this process here. Right. We try, and we try to, to relay this information to you. You know, obviously we're not going to, we, we can't or won't take a political stand no. on this, uh, you know, regardless of, of how you personally may feel about uh, the situations that are going on. Uh, we're just here to provide information and, and sort of help point you in the right directions at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was good info that you had there in terms of getting in touch with these offices. Sure. Okay, uh, next item. Uh, to be honest with you, anybody who's ever traveled through the Mississippi Delta, particularly down in that Washington County, Greenville Mississippi area, knows that nearly every chemical and or seed company have long had operated research and breeding stations. Hometown for me, by the way. Hometown for Beck, right there in those areas from Leland and Greenville South and north up towards Scott, Mississippi. Well, Nutrient Ag Solutions, uh, which is the new name of Crop Protection Services, or CPS as many of you may know them, has now joined that group. Uh, The company recently purchased a 198 acre research farm in Winterville, Mississippi, which is just north of Greenville, for development of new products from their Dynagro seed platform for cotton and other crops. And according to a company statement, they're going to be using this site for plant breeding, evaluation of new products, and as a demonstration center for company employees and customers. So welcome to the Mississippi Delta in an official function, Nutrien. Yeah, one great thing about Winterville, they were... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Delta famous for having their signage on the edge of town where, you know, most small towns will have, you know, Greenville population X amount. I don't know how many people are in Greenville now. Population 35,000. Winterville sign included the totals of, total of horses and dogs <laughs> and chickens uh, in the town. Uh, a great quirky little Mississippi Delta <clears throat> town. So good for Nutrient Ag, mm-hmm. good for the Delta to bring some more business in there. They were probably counting cotton stands too, they, as far as as far as population. They likely did. Yeah, that's uh, used to be. Uh, I don't want to get too wistful, but it used to be a whole <laughs> lot more cotton down there uh, this year or these mm-hmm. these days. It can go either way year to year, but uh, yeah. A lot of cotton down there. Cool. And lastly, since we're kind of moving into the heart of meeting season in the cotton industry, 
Uh, just want to give you a quick reminder that uh, the DICAMBA training and certification meetings are either underway or will be beginning soon in pretty much every cotton producing state. This training is again mandatory for all individuals applying Extendamax, Ingenia, or Fexapan herbicides in 2019. And essentially, anyone who sits in a sprayer seat must attend. It's not just you know, it's not just the primary farmer or grower on this. It would also be anyone else on the crew that would be sitting in that sprayer cab applying the product. Also has to go through the training. And individuals who completed the training in 2018 are still required to go back and, and complete the training again in 2019. So our suggestion here is check with your local extension service office for dates and locations near you. I know most states have a long list of, uh, of sites and times for, uh, for these. Plus, as you're moving into uh, getting ready for 2019, we're starting to see more and more of the 2018 cotton variety trial results from each state uh, uh, being available online. These are always good resources for variety comparison and selection uh, as we move toward, as you move toward that final planning uh, stages for your 2019 crop. Uh, here at Cotton Grower, we've added a listing of some of those current reports on cottongrower.com and we'll be updating that as more and more reports are released over the next few week, weeks and months. Very good, yeah. More uh, essential cotton journalism work being done by Jim there, keeping keeping y'all well informed on the results of those trials. So truly, I, I say that almost chuckling, but I, I do appreciate Jim's, I know y'all do too, Jim Jim's hard work on that stuff. So uh, I want to thank you, I want to stop you there, Jim. Uh, we will pause now to bring you guys a message from our sponsor, Phytogen. Uh, our custom content editor, Robin Sickberg, recently had the chance to sit down with uh, Phytogen brand manager, Mr. Derek Rocca. And so we are happy to hear from those two right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg, custom content editor of Meister Media Worldwide. And I'm here with Derek Rocca, Phytogen brand manager. Welcome to the program, Derek. Hi, Robin. I understand you have some exciting news to share that was announced at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences. We sure do. Earlier this month at the Beltwide Conferences in New Orleans, the Cotton Board announced that Phytogen is the first cotton seed company in the U.S. to partner with Cotton Incorporated's Blue Jeans Go Green denim recycling campaign. And we are really um, excited to partner with this program, we just feel like it's a great fit for our business. Um, it lines up really well with our core values at Phytogen and Corteva AgriScience. And, you know, at Phytogen, we love to tell the story of cotton, and the Blue Jeans Go Green campaign allows us to tell that story um, really from seed to shirt and beyond. From the time the seed is planted into the ground to the product that is made. And then there's an upcycling opportunity that, that even extends the natural life cycle of the cotton that's produced. And it's just really exciting for us to be able to go out and to help to tell that story. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's great news. And um, some of our listeners may not be familiar with the program, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Blue Jeans Go Green is a program of Cotton Incorporated and they coordinate recycling drives for denim products across the country. And then the denim that's collected is upcycled into a product called Ultra Touch Denim Insulation. And each year, 
Cotton Incorporated donate a portion of the cotton that's collected, um, they will donate a portion of the ultra-touch insulation that's produced to local organizations um, like Habitat for Humanity. What specifically is Phytogen's involvement with the Blue Jeans Go Green? What, what um, tactics are you using to actually help the program? With the endorsement of the National FFA Organization and support of local FFA chapters, Phytogen is bringing denim recycling drives to local cotton-producing communities across the country. So we've identified some local farm and trade shows and chapters, FFA chapters within 200 miles of those identified trade shows can host their own recycling drives in their local community, collect denim, and then they'll deliver that denim to the trade show. And at the trade show, um, the FFA chapter that delivers the most number of denim items will receive a $1,500 donation to their, to their FFA chapter. And hopefully you'll get a little healthy competition going on between the FFA chapters um, that always is beneficial, helping uh, give some incentive. And um, if, if people want to get involved, how would they find out more about how they can do that? Yeah, they can get more information or follow the progress of these denim recycling drives by um, checking out our Phytogen Facebook page, or they can reach Phytogen on Twitter. And they can always contact a local Phytogen representative in their area. Okay, great. Um, thanks for telling us about the program. Congratulations on on the new involvement, on uh, being the first cotton seed company to, to get involved with it. And um, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Robin. All right, very good. Um, I want to thank you, Robin. Thanks to Phytogen for that. And I want to thank uh, Derek Rocca for, for taking the time to talk with Robin there. I have a habit of bumping into Derek at various breakfast bars around the Cotton Belt, uh, specifically the Embassy Suites breakfast, which has a great breakfast bar, by the way. They, I, have an unpa- I will give an unpaid endorsement to the Embassy Suites in Lubbock, Texas. Great, uh, great breakfast bar that they've got in there. Anyhow, I bump into Derek in that place at least once a year. So uh, I hope he's doing well, and I'm sure I'll be bumping into him soon. Uh, now, we want to keep things rolling here with our Market Minute. I uh, spoke about or uh, mentioned that earlier. Uh, this week's Market Minute segment features our old friend, Gerald Nieper, uh, we are bringing you the second part of a two-part interview with Gerald uh, that Jim conducted down at Beltwide Cotton Conferences, and uh, we'll bring that to you right now. Welcome to the Cotton Companions Market Minute. As a follow-up to our last podcast, I'm joined again by Gerald Nieper, a longtime cotton market economist. Uh, Gerald, there were just some topics we couldn't get to last time. Uh, and I wanted, wanted to double back and visit with you again. So, uh, so thanks for taking some time to join us again. You're very welcome, Jim. Okay. Let's talk 2019 cotton acreage. Uh, now, Cotton Grower Magazine released uh, our annual acreage survey earlier this month, uh, showing projected acres of about 13.7 million. Uh, based on input we received from growers and other members of the cotton industry, uh, back in November and early December. How does that number line up with some of the other projections that you've seen or, or you've been involved with looking at, at 2019? 
Well, Jim, I haven't seen a lot of estimates. I've seen an, an estimate, uh, I think, as, as high as 14.6 million acres, uh, an estimate that I just recently put together here. Um, Pima and, and Upland combined is 14.2427, something of that nature. I don't have it right off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, when I looked at, at your numbers, I th think our, our big difference is really, I, I was almost unchanged, maybe a little bit higher in Georgia, and, and your survey indicated a pretty good drop, around a 300,000 acre drop, I believe, in, in Georgia, and, and you were indicating about a 500,000 acre drop in, in Texas. But a significantly higher number in, in the uh, in the mid south than where we were, and and it's hard to disagree with with any of those numbers. I I um, I, I think the big drop in Texas it was a little bit of a uh, of a head scratcher to me, and and the, uh, the Georgia seeing a reduction in Georgia is not surprising, just because the most recent thing that people remember is. You know how terrible they feel if they can't get their crop out right now and you get a sour taste in your mouth on, on cotton so so maybe the crop comes down a little bit uh the uh the big increase in, in the delta i, I kind of wonder about somewhat i know that there's some enthusiasm growers have, have uh, uh expressed some displeasure for for soybeans but um the uh i, I think I don't know how much cotton acreage can increase with the capacity to harvest and to uh, to, to gin the crop. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll just have to, to wait and see on that. But uh, um, in fact, I, I think we really need to be below uh, 14 million bales this year because, because our carryover situation and a potential crop that a 14 plus million acre uh, uh, crop can, can produce, um, you know, is, is going to present some challenges for next year in terms of marketing. Mm -hmm. Now, you look at, at like a, a 14 million acre planting, if that's what we what, what we get to, that, that would equate what? I think some of the initial projections were looking at 22, 23 million bales out of that. Yes, I was coming up with around 23 million, um, primarily because of, uh, you know, Texas had a 42% abandonment this last year. Mm -hmm. um, so far with their weather situation, their moisture situation, I think that uh, at least initially, initially you can start off with around a 10% abandonment. So that increases your harvested acreage uh, quite a bit. Um, my number, at least right out, out the bat, is 23 million, 23.2 million bales. I've heard some numbers as high as 26 million. Um, the, uh, yeah, that's gonna present uh, a, an interesting challenge to, to move that much cotton particularly if we're still in this uh, trade environment that we're currently in. Exactly. What other factors could potentially impact acreage between now and planting? Um, Just look, looking at the current situations and, and market conditions and things like that. I think guys are still drawn by price. And if, if the grain prices, uh, if, if soybeans took off to the upside for some reason, maybe guys will say, well, maybe I don't like soybeans, but it's still better than 72 or 73 cent cotton. Um, I don't like corn, but, you know, maybe it's better then. Um, it, I think the, the window, though, for people to start really looking at prices and deciding to make a switch is... Uh, 
is not real long, probably maybe only 30 to 45 days at, at most from where we're sitting right now. Right, because South Texas is going to be going to the field right. as soon as they can, as soon as they feel like they can get out there. Well, you know, South Texas is going to stay with their cotton and grain sorghum rotation, and, and I don't think that that's going to change much, you know. Um, what changes down there? Are they going to be 60-40 or 40-60 right. cotton grain sorghum? Mm-hmm. Um, the... Um, I suspect that they're probably going to maybe go back to, to 50-50. Um, the, um, they've had some, some challenges the last couple of years. And, you know, we the, the weather has presented challenges all across the southern United States the last two years. Exactly. You know, Hurricane Harvey all the way up to, uh, what was the name of this last? Michael. Michael, Michael. yes. Yes. So, it's a name that will never be used in South Georgia again. There will never be a child named Michael in South Georgia again for a long time. <laughs> Um, but uh, the uh, I think um, I think we're going to end up with something between your number and fourteen point three or four million acres. Okay, so it's just um, it's just a crapshoot from right now. Absolutely. Well, you know we you know the way the way things usually line up, we've still got two more shots coming, two more you know estimates you know that we're That's waiting right. for. The yeah. Cotton Council, I mean, I think that they should have had all of their responses in. I don't know that they, I don't think that they put together their uh, their estimate, but it'll have to come out here pretty soon because yeah, their annual meeting will be. Right, right annual meeting yeah, is, is like early February. And then USDA, hopefully. Right, into March. Hopefully, if we get if we get everybody back working again in the government. Yeah, we, we just want to uh, say what year into March. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's probably a, probably a really good good choice right now. And, of course, we say that knowing that you know, the history with the Cotton Companion is we will say something in one episode and 24 hours later, everything will change, you know, again. So maybe maybe by talking about it, we'll get things back on track. Never know. We'll see where we end up on it. Gerald, thanks again for joining us on this and uh, this little episode of the Market Minute. Uh, we'll be right back with more Cotton Companion. All right. So uh, uh, finally, uh, actually, before I, we get into that, I want to say thank you to Mr. Nieper uh, for taking the time to talk with you, Jim, and uh, another great interview there. Uh, we appreciate that. So uh, finally, though, we want to do our One Big Thing segment, which uh, is a segment we do in each episode uh, where we discuss uh, anything under the sun uh, that we choose uh, in cotton. But uh, this week's the thing that we thought would be would be most valuable to you is this feature that we ran with the help of Dr. Galen Morgan, uh, six big tips to be considering as you look towards the 2019 planting season. Um, So uh, I guess we'll divvy these up, Jim. If you wanted to jump in with the first one, uh, I will follow your lead. Sure. And one one thing to keep in mind here is, is, you know, it's like uh, Galen Morgan obviously is a cotton specialist for, for Texas. And Texas is going to be, was his primary focus in putting these six suggestions together, but quite honestly, uh, most of them will carry over to just about any other location in the cotton belt as well. So uh, the first the first suggestion or first tip he has in, in areas where cotton is going to be planted after cotton, in, in other words, areas with no crop rotation, says pay attention to pest issues that may occur without that rotation. Get the fields tested for nematodes uh, and soil-borne diseases and select your varieties accordingly. Uh, and strongly consider putting nematode-resistant varieties on fields that have a history of nematode activity. Yeah, and, it, you know, in a year, uh, 
kind of goes hand in hand with our acreage survey that we did last year. Uh, we think there's going to be around 14 million acres of cotton in the cotton belt again this year. So that's going to be uh, uh, a scenario that we see often in 2019, cotton behind cotton. So certainly be aware of the issues that arise when you when you have no rotation like mm -hmm. that. Uh, the second big tip uh, can be summarized as just communicate. Talk to your neighbors uh, to find out which weed control technology they're planning to use uh, in an effort to minimize that off-target movement. Uh, you don't want any challenges with y'all's neighbors. I know y'all know that better than me. Uh, so a great way to avoid any, mm. any uh, bad situations like that is just communicate. Um, let people know your seed buying intentions. Learn about their seed buying intentions. Maybe y'all can even get together and sort of block uh, similar technologies next to each other in those places where you got fields next to your, your neighbor's fields. Um, you know, j just like in any organization, communication is key. So start talking to your neighbors uh, right now and uh, just just be uh, uh, in communication with each other to sound like a broken record. Yeah, and I, and I think the important one of the important takeaways on this is if, if you go back and look at the number of reports of Dicamba-related injuries that were that basically were reported to uh, to the state departments of ag last year. Those numbers were down somewhat significantly in uh, in most states. Uh, and in talking with with Dr. Morgan and, and other weed specialists about it, a number of them attribute that to the fact that a lot of communication happened on the fence row between growers, uh, and and basically where they were able to just kind of work things out without having to. Uh, without having to, to go to a file a formal formal complaint or report. And in many cases, by the end of the season, uh, the amount of, of, uh, of problems that they had were uh, actually kind of minimized. So uh, always good to, uh, to, to stay in touch with your neighbor and, and, and keep things in mind. Uh, the third tip on this, pay attention to what you have in your sprayer. And I don't mean who's driving the sprayer. I mean what's in the tank there. Uh, there was a lot of observed damage in fields last year that uh, that may that was likely part of or certainly was part of a self-inflicted wound as uh, as Dr. Morgan put it of tank contamination. So please know which technology whether it's Extendflex, whether it's Enlist, Roundup Ready, Liberty Link or absolutely no technology is in each field and be sure to treat accordingly. Be sure to completely flush and clean sprayers after each use according to the herbicide label directions. Yeah, not, probably not the most glamorous part of uh, any job doing those tank cleanouts and those uh, uh, tube cleanouts, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, but there's a reason that each of these companies have sort of in extensive instructions on how you should be doing that, how frequently you should be doing it, because it's important. It's important to not, not shoot yourself in the foot uh, with your sprays this year. Absolutely. Okay, the fourth... Uh, of the Galen Morgan production practices tips for 2019. Uh, sample your fields, do some soil sampling, and fertilize accordingly. Uh, the, the main takeaway here is don't be flying blind going into 2019. You need to know where you stand with soil nutrient levels before those planters roll, and uh, soil sampling is the best way to help you guys know uh, what you got out there, and that way you can properly sort of prioritize that nutrient budget. Uh, we think that 2019 could be a good year for prices, could be, you know, going to be another big year for acreage. 
So maybe you got a little bit of budget to uh, to blow those yields out the top. Uh, you want to be you want to make an informed decision uh, if you're going to do that, and soil sampling the best way to, to make that informed decision. Absolutely, because it's it's sort of the opportunity to uh, to hopefully make a certainly a better crop than what we ended up with this year. Because from number one, soil moisture levels all throughout the cotton belt should be in really really good shape, based on how much rain everybody suffered through. Uh, for the last several months, and yeah. particularly that's that's especially true in Texas, where they were so dry last year, uh, and now the uh, the soil moisture levels are are right where growers want them, uh, heading into to uh, to this coming season. Speaking of this season, tip number five: variety selection is always the most key decision. Make sure you look at the variety options as a whole for your fields, based on maturity, based on the traits that come in the varieties based on yield testing results and the fiber quality package for each variety. If you have, wherever possible and when possible, look at multiple locations and multiple years of yield results to determine yield stability. And I will refer you back again to, uh, to the cotton variety trial results from 2018 that we have listed on our website at this point for, uh, for your reference. Yeah, and one great source for learning about those varieties, the pages of Cotton Grower Magazine. Check that, or, or the Cotton Grower website, cottongrower.com. Not to make a shameless plug. No, not at all. I would never do that. Um, okay, our sixth and final uh, tip for 2019 production uh, is, is a little more ambiguous than the others, but we want you to just get back to the basics. You guys know what you're doing out there, uh, uh, but we don't want you to... Uh, Overthink things. If you had a bad year last year, if you had some extenuating circumstances, uh, don't go too, uh, don't overcorrect too much. Get back to the basics. You guys know how to grow your cotton, and uh, sometimes you just need a little reminder to avoid the the little problems that can pop up on the farm, and uh, the time and expenses that are needed to fix those. So uh, go back to doing what you know best. You know best. Trust your instincts, and uh, we expect it to be a great season out there so that's the last one jim you didn't have a seventh uh, up your sleeve no i do not have a seventh one up my sleeve we'll leave them to uh galen i'm sure i'm sure six is enough and people are probably tired of listening to us <laughs> yeah, maybe so we do want to thank dr galen morgan texas agri texas a&m agri life extension cotton specialist for the state of texas for uh, all the great things that he does for us so all right uh that is gonna just about do it for this installment of the cotton companion podcast uh, we want to thank uh, Dr. Galen Morgan. We want to thank Mr. Gerald Nieper, both for contributing to this episode and taking time to talk with us and our listeners. And uh, we know that both of those guys are great friends of American cotton farmers. We appreciate their work. So once again, we want to thank Phytogen for sponsoring us. And we want to thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, by all means, tell your buddies about us. Uh, we are growing uh, in listenership and we... Uh, I attribute that to you guys. I hope that uh, I feel that y'all are doing what I'm asking you to do right here, which is tell your buddies about us. I know that y'all spend long hours uh, in the cab of the truck, in the cab of the tractor, throughout, especially during the season. And uh, we hope to kind of to be your companion uh, while you're doing that. So there's three easy ways you could tell your friends to find us. The first, go to cottongrower.com and uh, add a slash companion to that address. Uh, such that it reads cottongrower.com forward slash companion. That'll take you to a landing page where you can find all 40 of our episodes now. 
Second way to find the Cotton Companion podcast, subscribe to our channel on iTunes. If you're familiar with the iTunes app on your smartphone, go in there and uh, subscribe to our channel. You can find us by simply searching for Cotton Companion in the search bar there. The third and best way to make sure you're receiving each installment of the Cotton Companion is to sign up for for our e-newsletter. You can do that online, cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Once you get there, it's very intuitive to uh, have you sign up for our e-newsletter. And that way you uh, not only will receive uh, an email, promotional email for each of our podcast episodes whenever they go live, you will also be signing up for the uh, Cotton Grower e-newsletter, which Jim here works hard to pack with all of the relevant news of the day. Those things hit your email inbox every Tuesday morning like clockwork. So uh, also... Make sure you're following us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us by just searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. We hope that you're enjoying our latest issue. Right now, that's our January issue. The February one is another heater, and it will be in your mailboxes here in a couple weeks, around that second week of February. So this podcast is produced by Mr. Tyler Hatch, who works at the Mothership Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'm going to be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stebman, we wish you all the best. And he works, and he works, and he works all day. God made a fun. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com.